Hello, everyone. I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Westfield Sunday service. Um, today, we're going to have a special sermon for Mother's Day. So I'd um, encourage all of you, if you can, to go to the link below to um, see what verses we're going to be going over, because I'm going to be jumping around a little bit today rather than just focusing on one um, scripture. So today, we're going to start with a few questions, though. The first question is, how many of you were born as a human? I'm assuming everyone is sitting there thinking, oh yeah, I was obviously born as a human. I hope everyone is actually sitting there thinking that. <laughs> so I'm going to just assume, yes, wonderful, we're all human. Um, the second question is, though, how many of you were born to a female? And again, I believe that all of us are going to raise our hand, yes, we were born to a female. So perfect. Uh, so right away, we have learned two important things about one another. The first thing, and perhaps an important thing to some, to me in particular, is that we are all, in fact, humans. Um, the second thing we have learned about each other, well, that's that we all have mothers. Well, that is important information for today, because today, we take time in our society to celebrate mothers, our mothers, the ones who bore us and gave birth to us, the ones who we have sometimes idolized, while at the same time the ones we can sometimes get flustered by. Um, individuals without whom none of us would exist at all. If there were no mothers, then there would be no children. So right away we learn something about motherhood, don't we? Without it, there would be no family at all. So what's the conclusion? Well, the conclusion is that mothers are essential. Now we can see how mothers are essential just based upon that information alone. From a strictly biological perspective, we've all, we need to know, really. However, our relationships with our, our mothers and each other are not only biological. There is more to it than just blood. Relationships, they go deep and they go wide. There's attributes expressed, such as love, kindness, gentleness, and even grace. You see, it is terribly important that we get the foundational principle out of the way. That is, that each of us must have had a mother. However, if we do not then define what motherhood is, and we ignore the deeper questions, then having a mother will mean very little. In fact, what's to say what a mother is, uh, when a mother is a good mother, for example? What's to say that a good mother is one who bears their children, and then as soon as they are born, she gives them to someone else to raise? Or more, what if they get to a certain age, she leaves them to fend for themselves? What's to say that a good mother isn't the one who abandons their children emotionally and keeps them at a distance despite living in the same house even? If we had nothing to go on, then such assumptions could be made. If we have no foundational principles for motherhood, then any of the above concepts would be true. As it is, however, we do receive foundational information concerning mothers and motherhood in the scriptures. In particular, consider some of the Proverbs which deal with mothers. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Proverbs 8, 1, 8 through 9. My son, keep your father's commandment, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. Proverbs six twenty through 22. And now finally, let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. 
Proverbs 23:25. From these verses, we learn that a mother is one who teaches. This is logical. From the earliest times in a person's life, one learns the most from their mothers. We learn many of life's lessons from our mothers. How to behave, how to communicate, how to be kind, to love, how to sacrifice for others. Granted, these things are also perceived as good. But what's to say that lessons learned are not greed, pain, and sorrow instead? As such, with these verses come the fundamental truth that our mothers do teach us. But what should they be teaching us? Thankfully, we receive more. Consider what we read toward the end of Proverbs. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Proverbs 28, 1 through 9. In these verses, we see how the mother of the king taught her son core values of life. In other words, mothers do not only teach proper etiquette. They do not only teach how to sew or cook. Even in a time when women didn't have the rights that they have in today's society, they still were teaching core principles of life. How to be just. How to be wise. These are teachings which are more than just how to eat or even behave, but concern wisdom itself. They are warnings and teachings on how to live in society, how to even rise above society. These are teachings which the scriptures tell us are to bestow upon us by our mothers. Likewise, these teachings are not ones which are done only in our youth, but as we grow older, they will remain with us. They are to be carried with us because true wisdom does not break down with age, but it ripens. It should be of no surprise to us then that it is both mothers and fathers whom we are to obey. Though fathers have a particular role, as do mothers, in the overall schematic of the family, the truth is both teach us core tenets of life, which help us navigate the world around us. Yet that requires mothers to do something rather important. It requires them to learn from their mothers and their mothers. It requires them to also seek wisdom themselves. The goal for seeking wisdom isn't only for our own personal benefits. Instead, it reminds us that we seek wisdom for those who are coming after us. Because those who come after us will learn a great deal, and it is a mother's responsibility to continue to learn as well, to continue to seek out the wisdom which is essentially ageless. Indeed, when we consider a mother, there are numerous gifts and encouragements. Consider a few of the final verses from Proverbs. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth, and with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 31, 25 through 30. 
These verses portray so many aspects of womanhood and how many of them translate into womanhood, motherhood. Consider the first verse. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. Strength and dignity. So many believe that the God-fearing woman is weak for submitting to the Lord. Yet we find here that she is not weak. She's the exact opposite. Likewise, how the text says she laughs at the time to come. She has hope. She isn't phased by the problems which likely lie ahead, but instead she dismisses them out of hand. Indeed, with a laugh, she has hope for the future. So many things our children can learn are right here found in how the scriptures describes women who fear God. Indeed, that is the last part of the verse, and it is telling when contrasted with our own society. In our society, isn't it very often the case that women who are adorned are those who have charm and those who have physical beauty are all too often lifted up as role models? Isn't it not often the case that our young women and children look to the magazine covers to find out what they should be like? Is it not often the case that many women compare themselves to such things as charm and beauty all their lives, forever thinking so little of themselves because of what the culture decides what they should be, who they should be, and what they should look like? On the other side of the aisle are women who are encouraged to live their lives. Don't be subjugated to anything. Your life is your own to live, and it is yours to do as you wish. The only real women... Those who are emancipated, liberated, are those who don't sacrifice, but who live their lives with no regrets, doing only what they want whenever they want to do it. Mothers, train your daughters to not look at the culture for their worth. Instead, train them to seek the fear of the Lord, which has worth far greater than the charms and wiles and beauties and decisions that the world claims to possess. Why should you train up your daughters to fear the Lord? Because your daughters are the future mothers. And being future mothers will train up the next generation to come. Unfortunately, there are those in our society who believe that motherhood is antiquated. They would have us believe that roles within a household are useless and should be both rejected and forgotten. And yet, when we consider motherhood thus far in the scriptures, it paints us a picture of individuals who are necessary for the betterment of the human race. Yet in order for this to be the case, it requires mothers to remain faithful to God in what God has called them to do and has called them to be. It requires our mothers to not give in to the secular culture which says that all the hard work that they put into their children is worthless. It requires mothers to stand firm against the generational lie which says that they have no purpose as mothers. It requires mothers to continue on in steadfastness, being obedient first to God and raising their children. But it would be a flawed discussion if we didn't also ask one other question. We've dealt with biology, but let me ask, how many of you have been influenced by a woman who was not your mother? How many of you have had or even still has a woman in your life that is not of your blood, but who is faithful to God? Someone you can emulate or have emulated and learn or have learned from? I think we can all raise our hands to this question. I know that I have many women in this congregation who I can look at and say, I have learned so much from you, and there is so much more yet to learn from you. How is this possible? 
Well, much of it has to do with the fact that the church itself is designed to be a body and a family. Consider what Paul writes to Timothy in in 1 Timothy 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. You see, Timothy is encouraged to receive those within the congregation as family members. Those who are older as parents, those who are younger as siblings. So it is when we consider each woman in this congregation, and as you consider yourself, do not neglect that God has called them, has called you, to fulfill a motherly role even in this congregation. For each of the younger generation which comes after you, they are your children to watch over in this congregation, to love, to cherish, to pray for, to encourage, to show what faithfulness looks like as you age. Through Christ, even the barren have children. Through Christ, even those who have never been wed have children. Because we are all bound together in this great love that the Father gives to each of us and which we can then share with each other. This fellowship, which is so deep, so true, and so wonderful, belongs to us through Jesus. So this Mother's Day, we're going to take time to say thank you to all of the mothers and grandmothers within this congregation. We're going to say thank you to all the mothers and grandmothers who have labored long and hard over us, who have watched us and who love us. We're going to remind them that no matter how old you are or what your situation is, you can still have an effect on the next generation and that God will continue to use each and every woman within this congregation to further the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. And the way you do this is for, uh, do this for us is by remaining faithful to Christ in everything he has called you to be, by seeking wisdom, knowledge, and fear of the Lord in all things. As you do this, You proclaim the truth to us. As you do this, you become living representatives of what we ought to seek and what we ought to try to attain for ourselves. And as you do this, you remind us we aren't going to be perfect as we walk this road of faith. And that God's grace is what keeps us going. Because no matter how good of a mother you are, the truth is, you're going to make mistakes. And as such, we learn from those mistakes as you do. Thus, we learn to trust and rely on God's grace, which gives us hope for our own mistakes because we see you, and that's a good thing. Motherhood, it's never an easy job, but its importance cannot be overstated. And because of that, we see all of you and all that you have done, and we thank you this day. Thank you, mothers, young and old. Thank you for the great love you have for each of us. We give thanks for each and every one of you, our mothers, both biological and spiritual, and pray that God's blessing would fall greatly on you this day and all days. We thank you, mothers, for all the sacrifice, which reminds us of the great God of all who has sacrificed so much for us as well. In all of these things, we thank you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for our mothers. We thank you for those who you have put in our lives in order to train us, to remind us of your goodness, and to lead us evermore into your holiness, your glory, your righteousness, Lord. And so, Lord, today as we think about our mothers and we think about motherhood, we ask that we would be drawn to know the good and true concepts of what it means to be a mother here in the scriptures, and that our mothers would seek to not emulate the culture around them, but to seek to emulate the truth found in the scriptures of what it means to be a mother 
that they would seek to continue to grow themselves because they know that when they grow, others will grow around them. We ask, Lord, that you would bless those who have watered us and taken care of us, who have loved us so deeply. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one of them. We ask that you would bless them this day and all days, now and forever. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Everyone, I thank you, and I hope that you all have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless.